Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is not getting $6.4 billion for our coal assets. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page, the man, the myth, the legend. I know I say that all the time. I just really like it. Oh, you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Always, always love the G up. I feel a bit better after that. As you, as you a well should. about myself. As yeah. you well should. I should say, by the way, uh, for those who don't know, because we haven't talked about it for a while, we are former colleagues. Uh, you worked for The Motley Fool for a while. You then left yeah. us. Uh, in a half no not really uh, to go and start <laughs> burn every bridge that was there <laughs> that's right threw grenades <laughs> over, the, over the shoulders you walked away Bruce Willis style uh, you went left us to start a, a business which is flourishing called strawman.com which is remarkable and I, I, I have never actually thought to ask you what strawman.com does <laughs> Flourishing is a nice uh, nice touch. I like that. Thank you. Um, we're an online private investment club or a private right. online investment club. We're some, okay. some combination of those words. <laughs> you should talk to the founder and really nail that. I think it's important. I really should get you that. Should probably, yeah, yeah. Just at some point in the first you know, 10 or 15 years of the company's life, you probably should just have a have a, an answer to that question. Maybe, just, maybe you should ask me every week and then I'll get more practice in. That's not a bad idea. There you I go. I mean, I'd probably be a bit boring <laughs> for our listeners, but yeah, I, I, I'd help, I'd help you out if you want nah. to. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, how's your week been? Oh, it's been, you know, there's a lot happening in the world. So there's it's a sort lot of, happening you know, I, you know, I think it's one of those weeks where you feel as though it's best just not to look at um, Twitter or the news yeah, too much. Yeah. But gosh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, not too bad. Mate, I want to start there, actually. And I haven't actually given you warning on this one. We did actually talk about it off air. But I, I do want to ask you about the uh, Middle East, the Israel, Palestine, Gaza, Hamas thing. Um, well, let me solve it for you. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, that'd be lovely. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden's listening. I, I, I'm planning on the way over to, uh, to, to Israel. So. Take hey, some I, notes, Joe. I, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to... I, I wanted your thoughts. And again, we don't have to care about what the market does because our opportunity is to you know, take advantage of the market when it's wrong rather than necessarily need to care or know or whatever when, about what it's doing when it's right. We don't have to justify or explain it necessarily. But there are circumstances where we see these geopolitical events just absolutely wreak havoc through markets. And then there are times when the market kind of seems to collectively shrug. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but it's continued on. And again, I, I will say, by the time this goes to where anything could have happened, hopefully nothing bad. Um, but, you know, asset prices could move all over the joint, you know, uh, interest rates could move, whatever. But at least as we record this on, on Thursday morning, the 19th of October, we're now a week and a half into the conflict. Um, the, the human toll is horrible. I said this last week. I will say it again because it, it bears repeating. Um, it, we're not taking it lightly. And we, we are a finance podcast, so we'll talk about that. Um, it's nowhere near, anywhere near as important as the, as the human cost. But the oil price is down still. The, the markets are okay. Uh, I mean, Wednesday night, US was tough, so maybe our market will open up down tomorrow, to today, so I should say. But, um, but broadly speaking, the market shrugged its shoulders. And in some other parallel universe, shares are down 10% right now and oil prices over 100 bucks a barrel. Do you, do, you, do you have a thought? Do you have an observation? Do you have a sense of, of what is going on in the markets and why this time is, I'll say this time is different, the, uh, the, the four most dangerous words in investing. Why, why so far has it been <laughs> different to some other occasions when these sort of things would have caused massive conniptions? No idea. No idea. I mean, it, it's, it's weird, we, though, right? We, it is. It is weird. I mean, this is. We touched on this last week as well. It's. It's always easier to rationalise after the mm -hmm. fact. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm sure I could come up with some narrative that goes, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, before the fact, I, you know, no, right? no idea. And and then how it goes from here. So it's it it is it is what it is. And this is this is why I think it's such just to I get get to the punchline quickly here is, mm-hmm. is why it's so silly to try and position around this kind of stuff. It's yeah. you know how do you how do you even if you've got a very good read on what's happening right now mm-hmm. i still don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in in a very fluid fast moving situation so it's the the only thing and again as you as you say it feels so crass to even talk yeah. about this given what's happening um but i i've we've talked about this actually in in a, in, a, in a more general sense as well which is i'm just going to do what i always do yeah. i'm just going to try and find really good quality companies and I've got a very high degree of conviction will be around in 5, 10, 15, 20 years and that will be earning more than they are today. And I want to try and acquire them at a good price. Now, I don't know when the market's going to offer me that price. And when it does offer me that price, I don't know if that means that's the exact point it's going to turn and go to the moon. Um, But that's all I'm going to do. And I'm just going to keep doing it. And I'm pretty confident that as, as long as I continue to do so over time, I'll be rewarded. I mean, the, 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 the horrible humanitarian disasters that are unfolding yeah. in multiple places, in fact, around the world, I don't think that really says much about, you know, use, the, use the great classic example of, you know, what Woolies and Coles are going to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, will it have, actually, will have some kind of impact because oil prices feed into production costs and there's general inflation and there's food price. And but, you know, they're going to be around. So CSL, so Cochlear, so it's a bunch of other big, you know, established companies. And so it's sort of it's about focusing on what you what you have a reasonable degree uh, what 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 you can reasonably expect to be true. In other words, I don't know what next quarter's earnings are going to be at for any of these mm. companies, mm. but I've, again, a if they are around, and b they're uh, in general prospering over the long term, and c they're available at a, at a decent price. That's all I care about. I think that's I think that's a really good way to, to put it, man. That, that you're right, you're right. That's that's why we don't, you know, the the ructions around the world are important for a whole lot of reasons. And we talk about it because despite the fact that the human toll is far, far more important, assets still trade. And our listeners, you know, there are there there are simply impacts on asset prices this time around. Not many actually, as it turns out, at least not yet. But but we do need to have that conversation. Let me let me take a tangent from that, mate, because I you, you invest in smaller companies, generally speaking, than I do. Uh, I tend to work in the mid to large. You're, you're definitely in the small cap land. Given what you just said, why do you... This, this is not a, a direct... It's a devil's advocate question, not, not a direct, mm. a direct uh, challenge or criticism. Why do you not take that to the extreme and say, well, why don't you invest in the best companies that are out there, the biggest, the most proven, the most... You know, the quality of the ones going to be there in five or 10 years. It's easy to do that with a, with a large cap business, a, a Woolworths or a CSL or something else. Uh, rather than a, a smaller business that maybe hasn't got the track record or the balance sheet strength or the brand recognition or the the breadth of customer base, um, in it. your own in your own investment yep. thinking, as you as you kind of try and uh, square that circle for yourself, uh, if 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 I'd have taken what you just said and said, well, most people would say that means I'm I'm in ASX twenty land, I'm in blue chip land. I know you you tweeted about the ASX twenty during the week, so I'm, <laughs> I'm giving you a bit of Dorothy Dixon here. But why you know why not? take that to its logical extreme and say, I'm just going to find the very best, highest quality businesses I can with massive balance sheets and great brands and, and invest in those where you get a second, third and fourth chance because nothing is fatal. Why yeah. go to the smaller end of the market and roll the dice there? 
Uh, such a such a great question. So um, there's a US based investor I've got a lot of respect for. He's not as you know we love to talk about Buffett and Lynch <laughs> and Marx and the sort of the yes. big names, but his his name is John Huber. He runs Saber Capital, um, and he made he had a, his investment newsletter out a little while ago, and he was making the point that he's he is generally that investor, very high quality, deep moated, large companies at good prices, very much from the Buffett sort of school of thought, and he made a a comment to his investors, which is we're going small cap, right? And some of the some of the I'm paraphrasing <laughs> here, but but some of the some of the um, investors push back. It's like, whoa, that's that's not your style, that's what we do. <clears throat> and yeah. he said, no, 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 no. My style is always to get good companies at, at good prices. It just ha- so happens mm. that when we look around at the landscape, the better value is in the small cap arena at this point in time. And I think that's true too. So I, while you're, you're right, my, my portfolio is, is very much small cap. I've sort of focused there. You know, if I could buy Cochlear at 100 bucks, I'd sell everything right now, <laughs> you know, yeah, and back the yeah, truck up. Yeah. If I could get Telstra at 50 cents, yeah. you know, even then, you know, it's like there's, there's, there is, it, it is not, my style is very much on what is the best opportunity risk adjusted hmm. at current prices. Hmm. I, I tend to find on average over time, it happens to be more often in small cap because they are overlooked. They are under-researched. Um, you often get the biggest disconnects with value because right. it's sort of me and a few idiots on hot copper who I'm competing <laughs> against. So it's sort of like I'd rather that than the smartest, you know, PhD educated <laughs> financial wizards, you know, with, with right, massive right, resources right. and supercomputers who I'm competing against at the big end of town. I just I think there's some really incredible companies um, at the big end of town. I just I don't. I don't think the value is there. Maybe that's changing a little bit, actually. You know, I mentioned CSL and ResMed. Mm. Put that in there. That's that's interesting what's happened with the Zempic and the, this miracle weight loss drug. It's really taken a knife to these businesses. So things could change. The other point I would make on it, um, just to reference the, the tweet that you mentioned, <laughs> when you look at the ASX 20, it is a story of mediocrity. Like, what did I? What did I? I'm going to forget my own tweet now. But it was 6.9% something like six a year. I think you said six point nine percent with dividends invested, excluding mm. tax. Don't forget, you pay if you reinvest dividends. You got to pay tax on the way through. But ignore all yep. of that. Yeah, yeah. So I just use the ASX twenty index or total return, and, and you look at it, and it's just like, huh, six point nine percent. You dig underneath the hood. We've spoken before. Three of the four major banks have just all lost money as much as twenty percent over ten years on a capital basis. Mm. AMP, my favourite whipping boy. You know, like absolute <laughs> dog's breakfast. Yeah. Um, Woodside. Um, yep. uh, th- there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. It's kind of like. Tell me again how these are high quality companies. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. And, and it's easy to sort of point to the share price, but the reason is, is that that, that share price, and it, there's, there's sort of short-term fluctuations. But when you stand back and you look at the per share earnings growth of these businesses, mm. in fact, there's actually not much growth there at all. In fact, in many circumstances, an absolute decimation of earnings. So it's kind of like my, my the point of my tweet was, I think too often we say big is better, big is safer, and it's like, well, it's, it's patently not true. And I think too often when people go small cap, they go, they equate small cap with pre-revenue, highly speculative cash burning companies. Now that's probably a majority of the case, but that just be, there are there are small cap companies that are just 
gushing free cash flow with mm. fortress balance sheets. You know, they don't, they're the exception to the rule, but they're out there. And, and so, which is why I wouldn't be, and I'm not an investor in small cap ETFs because I just get all the crap that, that, that comes along with that. So it's, you got to be careful with some of these labels. I, I don't know, that was a waffling answer, but hopefully it sort of threaded the needle a little bit. That's a good answer, mate. I think it's I think it's it's well worth talking about because it puts style or approach to the fore, which is exactly the point, uh, rather than size in and of itself. And where the opportunities are is is the place that it is worth going investing. I think that's a really, really, really thorough point. I just want to draw it out because I think it was a you know people would have been listening to you saying quality, you know, here in five or ten years, great businesses, and people like. That doesn't sound like Andrew's small cap investing, but I think that is the point where yeah. you've made the point many, many times. Just uh, uh, applying a size filter arbitrarily is probably one of the least useful things you can do as, as a proxy for quality. There are some great companies in the ASX 20. There are some great companies outside it. Yep. Finding great companies is the point rather than rather than ab- arbitrarily saying big or small or medium or somewhere in between. You said it much You said it much better, mate. And not, not to lure us into a, a very deep rabbit hole. I, I think that's the, there's a lot of mischaracterization yeah. um, with property, right? It's like, I, you know, Andrew hates property. I don't hate, who yeah. would hate property? Yeah. Property is what a wonderful asset. I just, you know, I don't want to leave a five to one in something that's got a negative real yield. That's all. You know, give, give me give me a good property at a good price. I'll back up the trail, <laughs> dump all of my stocks tomorrow, right? Like it's yeah. it's, it's same with the, the proverbial emu farm, you know, at a price <laughs> and and one that's generating good cash flows. It's mm. it's these these rules and heuristics that get yep. applied and spoken about can be very counterproductive. And, and the reality is, is that when you're looking at something where there is broad agreement in the market of quality or something like that, well, they're just, the opportunity's not there. Yeah. If, if everyone recognizes how fantastic a company is, there's no, at best, you might be able to buy it at fair value. You're certainly not going to get it at a bargain. And if you're buying it at fair value, well, by definition, I'm going to get the market average which is like, well, I'm just going to buy the ETF and guarantee yeah, that. Exactly, yeah. You, you know, so it's sort of like I need, if I'm going to be a stock picker, I need something that is below a reasonable appraisal of fair value. Mm. I mean, what else am I, what am I doing here if I'm not if I'm not trying to do that, right? When there's a yeah. far, you know, other perhaps far more worthwhile pursuits in life when I can buy an index fund, as I say, guarantee the average and not have to spend all this hard work and stress trying trying to beat the market average, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. It's one of the things I've said, I've said before about tech, I'll say it again because I think it's, it bears repeating. Uh, people buy tech stocks because they're growth stocks and growth stocks they think are going to do better than the market and whatever else. There's nothing inherently, so we talk about size, sector is the same. If, if, if Amazon was appropriately priced from day one, Amazon doesn't <laughs> beat the market. No. And, that, and yeah, there is uncertainty there, which is where the opportunity can come in some of these growth companies because you can see something the market misses and that, that's okay. The market wasn't convinced Amazon would be the behemoth it is today. Um, I own shares, as everyone knows, let's do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's nothing magical about any sector. It's only a question of, has the market appropriately priced the future? That's literally it. And to yes. whatever extent technology has been that, and maybe, maybe it will always be that for all I know, right? But there's just a reminder that, if you if you focus on the wrong label, big small, tech, uh, I don't know, industrials, mining, uh, retail, whatever, there's nothing magical about any of those things. And the only way any company beats the market is if it does better than the, the market itself. Investors as a group think it's going to happen. 
And that's been tech for a while because, frankly, people called on late. And that's been great. If you're an early tech investor, you've done really well, right? By finding these businesses, you saw something in them. You said, great, this is fantastic. Uh, I'm going to make a lot of money here because the market hasn't seen it yet. That's perfectly fine. But A, in a different universe, it could have always been appropriately priced. Or B, at some point, whenever, to your point, mate, when the crowd realizes this, that's when tech is down, what, a third over the last couple of years maybe not quite that anymore yeah probably about that yeah but part of, part of that is for exactly that reason everyone went oh tech we love it we're going to bid it up why yeah. is it underperformed yes in some small cases because the companies themselves are disappointed but it's more the fact that investors got too excited about the price and this is where again uh, you made that point beautifully mate about you know uh, you're you're buying a, a company for a price that is a discount to its future that that's all we're trying to do uh, when things get overvalued you don't have the opportunity and tech has been that for a while now will it come back i assume so yeah but uh it's just worth trends can continue forever they can also end and if the if the if the mispricing way back to buffett's mentor ben graham who bought businesses because they're trading for less than their the value of their assets right which sounds bananas to us right now why does why do people do that anymore because those companies don't exist because people have arbitraged that away companies don't sell that price anymore because someone's going to grab them before they do Yep. And so that that idea for investing, Ben Graham doesn't become an idiot all of a sudden. The circumstances that, of the strategy he followed stopped. Buffett himself started buying Graham-type stocks, then went more Phil Fisher, went more growth, growth and value joined at the hip, as Munger has said, and we've repeated it many, many times. Mm. But that, that idea of Buffett's own style changed. Why? Partly because he thought he's found a better way, partly because the fishing, the, the pond dried up. There was yep. no more opportunity in that space for that particular label i.e discount to net tangible assets or book value and, cer- and certainly with that amount of capital right exactly yep. so those things you know it's it's the, it's the approach that matters let me give hey, you a very quick yeah. example on that i have to point because it's only because they had some results out this week hmm. and it's a, a well i say little companies not that little actually it's what is it it's a 174 million dollar market cap well, that's small cap, right? Mm-hmm. I always, I always have to catch myself because <laughs> yeah. imagine if I met you at the pub and you said, "Oh, I've got a hundred, I've got a business valued at one hundred and seventy-four million. Whoa, that is that's, that's small. You know, yeah. that's not, <laughs> it's not a local fish and chip shop. That is a big business. Huge, it's just yeah. on the ASX. Yeah. It's like, nah, it's tiny. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, mm-hmm. okay, is it? Anyway, it's um, it's called Drop Suite. Right. I own shares for full disclosure. Okay. But here is a business, right, that has just knocked it out of the park. Year after year, their recurring revenue has just uh, has increased. Their actual revenue has increased. They've as they've been scaling, they've tipped into profitability mm. and cash flow positivity, um, and they're, they're scaling extremely effectively. Well, blah blah blah. Anyway, I like I like the business, right? And they're not a recommendation to buy for God's sake, <laughs> please. If you're buying stuff because some idiot on a podcast mentioned it, it's all on you. So I'm just mentioning that. But I I I I, I mention it as an example here because it, if you which which is what most people will do, they'll go okay, they'll look at it and go wait a sec. In July, it was 37 cents, and now it's 25 cents. Mm. It's, it's falling. It's bad. Like, is it? <laughs> That's right. Or was things a bit silly at 37 cents? Mm-hmm. Why did it get to 37 cents? The AFR wrote a big love letter to it, ah. you know? Big puff piece. Yeah. And like, oh, this is great. Oh, okay. And then it was, again, under the- under. You have- these companies are not scrutinizing. There's not there's two thousand stocks out there, and everyone's yeah. talking about CSL and Woolies and, and CBA. You know, it's like there are a lot of companies like this out there. Mm. But this is what happens: people will see it, they'll race, and they'll pile in because it was a glowing article on a on a uh, AFR 
article and they'd had some good results by the way mm. and then it fell down at like 37 cents to 25 cents on a percentage basis is mm. he delays a third, give or take is, yeah yeah well your mass is much better exactly a third yeah, it's yeah. dropped a third in value in a few months and it's just like this is a good thing for anyone who is rational and <laughs> and far-sighted and and this this is is the point here is that there is the there is the thing that you are buying and then mm -hmm. there is the price that you are buying it for mm -hmm. <laughs> and they are two very very different things and and yet here's a company that's very much clearly classed as as tech mm. we know what tech has done but even despite that sort of recent movement if you go back to the start of 2019 it was three cents a share do you know what i mean like stand mm. back look at the people are looking at the trees and they're not looking at the forest here yeah. and and i think too often this is why so many people get very mediocre returns because they they're only focused on the wiggly thing on the chart <laughs> they've got no sense of of perspective when it comes to time frames here anyone who's run a business knows it takes even the successful ones they're the overnight success that are 10 years in the making you don't you don't see the team slaving away you know eating two-minute noodles living in their mum's basement <laughs> while they build the business you just oh look at this guy and now That's he's got right. a ferrari he's like no none of this happens yeah. by accident and yeah. i think if you i don't know I'm, I'm i'm on a rant here but i just i feel as though Again, I shouldn't complain and I'm not complaining because if, if you can sort of take some of this stuff to heart, mm. there are nuggets of gold just lying around that are out there. They're rare, they're not obvious, mm. but they're there. And they're there even in these troubled times, in these difficult times. And even in, as you say, the reason I bring it up is because in this landscape of tech and everyone hates tech and tech <laughs> sold down, it's like, <laughs> well, right. no, in the last few years, this one's 10X in price. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, 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 it's just, it's just these, again, these labels can be very, very unhelpful. And it, each opportunity has its own um, merits <laughs> or otherwise. And, and that's, that's why we often call ourselves bottom-up investors. Mm -hmm. You know, these, these top-down labels, oh, the economy's going into a recession or bond yields are spiking or all this macro stuff, which is fascinating, by the way. Um, it, it, it distracts you from, I think, these individual opportunities. And whether you want to call a company like Drop3 Tech or Small Cap or whatever bucket you want to put it into is really just not going to give you, is not going to help you in, in any way, as opposed to here is a business that has certain characteristics and is available at a certain price. Totally. And, and by the way, whatever label you give it, not all companies with that label will perform the same way. So it's, it's actually, it's, it's worse than useless. Because 100%. You say, yes. oh, tech, well, it drops rates 10x over that time. The other tech companies that have Harvard gone broke over that time. So how has yep. tech performed? Well, it depends which tech you owned. Yep. Um, the other thing, about, well, one last one on small caps very quickly is today's big companies were yesterday's small companies. So yes. pe people, yes. people tend to look at the success stories of, I mean, CSL was, a, I think I want to say it was a $2 stock. Now it's a $300 stock. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't quite the I don't really remember. But Spun the idea off that as a government um, right, exactly. operation, yeah. Commonwealth Serum Laboratories back in the day. Um, yeah. Woolworths was a definitely a, a $2.15, I think, a share when it was listed. Um, now, you know, my, my point broadly is that you look at the big companies, say, see, the big companies don't really well, I'm going to buy more big companies. And that can absolutely be the, be the case. BHP has been big for a very long time. But there are some of the biggest companies today were small companies. And it doesn't mean you buy every small company either. I'm not making the case for either necessarily. I'm, as I said, I, I tend to operate kind of the mid-cap-ish kind of part of the world. Andrew's at the small end. Uh, I, don't, I think I own maybe one company in the ASX20. And we've talked about Telstra before. But um, 
the, just the broad idea of don't don't buy big because they're now big. That's you know it kind of misses the point. Um, yeah. You know you, you pay a lot of money for for a very large fully established tree. You can pay five bucks for a seedling, and and somewhere in between there is the right price, the right opportunity. Maybe the seedling dies, maybe it doesn't. Um, so yeah. you know there's there's reasons why you don't want to buy every every, every cheap thing or every every small thing. But don't look at the big company and say, look how successful Woolies is. I'm going to buy more of those. Add the one that are already mature. That kind of misses that, that growth story. Um, can you indulge me for oh, a couple right. more minutes? Yeah. I've got to give you another. So I only, I, and I spoke about this recently elsewhere, but I, I, have, I have to write a bit of a love letter here. It's a company called, I think, she, I think it might actually be one that you follow as well. It's called Jumbo Interactive. Yes, I own shares in Jumbo. Uh, me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so totally biased. Yep. Uh, and the fact that you and I both own it means it's it's going to zero. Correct. So fair warn. Run, fair, run. Fairly warn. <laughs> but I mention it because we spoke to the CEO and the founder, mm-hmm. Mike Viverka, during the week at Strawman. Um, Mike started the company in 1995 as as an ISP, as internet service provider and software developer. He's a he's a coder himself, right? It listed in 99 as jumbomail.com. Do you remember that? I do not. Is that, I, I didn't. I should know I the history. I didn't know the history. That's fascinating. No, well, I, I looked it up in, 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 in prep for the interview. And I was like, <laughs> huh, I didn't know that. Jumbomail.com, hotmail.com. Now you say that, I have a slight recollection, but maybe, I, maybe I'm making it up because I want to sound smarter than I am. But I, yeah, go on. Well, so uh, it, for those that weren't around at the time, um, anything with .com at the end of yeah. it just went to the moon yeah. and then and then crashed all the way back down. Walmart but, spun off Walmart.com way back in the day. That's how uh, important this was. Walmart thought there was more value in spinning off their, their Walmart.com business. So it was a, for a very short period of time, a separate listed business. I Go actually on. went to the domain and it's for sale for 30,000 US dollars. So if you want to own jumbomail.com. <laughs> Does Jumbo and Rekker still own it? Uh, I assume so. That's funny. I don't. I didn't look, actually, I didn't look on the yeah. balance sheet somewhere. Go on. It'd probably it'd probably be there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but what was what was fascinating about this is that here is a business that in the last twenty years they so you go, I just because it's a round number go back mm-hmm. twenty years. Well, so what happened was we had the rise of the internet as we mm-hmm. we now all know it was a thing, yeah. and we had some changes to the legislation which meant that internet lotteries became a thing. Now it's just sort of like yeah. Einstein, of course. It, well, it wasn't. You know, back in the old days, <laughs> um, youngins, um, you had to go to a, a news agent and you had to buy it there. And well, well now obviously you can you can buy it online. So anyway, uh, another theme that I'm huge on: structural shifts. Structural shifts are where value is really created. And so for 20 years ago, they went from less than 3 million in sales. They most recently did almost 120 million. You do the math on that. That's a compound annual growth rate of 20 percent per year right, over that very long stretch of time. Mm. And even if you go over the last five years, even if you look on a per share basis, as you should, the <laughs> sales per share has grown at 20% per annum over that mm. period as well, right? It's like, interesting, okay. Um, not just that, it's profitable, yeah. right? It, it pays a dividend. It pays 80% of its, pro- more, 80% plus of its profits out to dividends, doesn't need them. Mm. And it can still grow at that rate. And before you say, oh, yes, but it's all profits and, you know, profit <laughs> is vanity, um, you know, revenue is vanity, mm, profit mm. is sanity. The net margins, let me repeat this, the net after-tax margins are 30%. That's remarkably good. Look look on the app. Do a scan. Tell me how many companies you find in Australia with a net margin mm, of 30% and a return on equity of over 30% too, and consistently so. 
Anyway, so uh, it just tells you it's a very capital light business and it tells you it's a business with an incredible moat. Mo- unmoated companies don't trade at, at, at 30%. That's true. But he- here's my point. And just, just I said it was going to be a love letter and you had to indulge me. <laughs> this, is, this is tech. I said to Mike, you know, what's, what's, what's the core ability and strength of the business? Like, well, we're, we're, I'm a developer. We're a development company. Most <laughs> of the people who work at the company are coders and developers. That's what we do. And he's like, okay. Well, what you know? What, 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 how are you? How are you growing? Oh, we're we're taking our tech and we're launching it in other jurisdictions. Okay. What about sports betting? Um, what about online casinos? Like, why would we do that? We have got no edge in that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, I just love it, love it so much, right? And yet, this ticks all of the boxes that you would tick in terms of those broader statements that we made. And that's why I remembered to talk about it. Was that yet? It it has just gone from strength to strength to strength to strength. And do you remember a few years ago, mate? So they eighty percent of the revenue comes from reselling lottery tickets from um, now called the Lottery Corporation. That's right, TLC. Uh, was Tabcorp? It was uh, Tabcorp, yeah. And then, and then it's had a few restructures. <laughs> that's, that's a whole business study right there, right? Really like the, the the structure and restructure of, of these gaming companies. Um, but do you remember a little while ago that th- th- this was these shares were incredibly good value because of this huge counterparty risk? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Tabcorp's just going to screw them over. And then they signed a ten-year deal. And even then, people, yeah. But what happens after ten years? They're going to mm-hmm. be they're going to be done because then then the counterparty is just going to demand a much better margin. So when they re-signed that deal, their their costs went up, their margins went down on that business. Mm-hmm. Yet the business has continued to 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 power ahead and has I, I would argue pretty pretty good growth opportunities. And again, it's very easy to sort of look short term. Very easy to sort of look at the characteristics that it sort of presents and bucket this with other sort of things <laughs> here. And again, I just, it, it just, I guess I'm mentioning because it, it ties together so many of the themes we're talking about. Quote unquote small cap. Quote unquote tech. Quote unquote growth. You know, and and yet it sort of it defies a lot of the generalizations that you can make about all of those buckets. And I just wanted to give it a plug. <laughs> nice. You go. I, like I will. I, w- I want to add one thing, mate, uh, which is just in the interest of fairness. The counterparty risk you mentioned is still really big. So if anyone's heard you talk about that and, and likes the business, and I like it too, I own it. So, you know, we're, we're absolutely both biased. There is, a, there is a very real chance, and no one knows how big it is, mm-hmm. that. So you, you might remember, remember Vita Group or Vita Group? I do. Um, so yes, they, they of, Right. They were a retail yep. company that basically had the contract for Telstra shops. A lot yeah. of, I think it was all of them, but most of them. Uh, and then Telstra just literally one day said, yeah, we're going to do it ourselves. Thanks, guys. It's been mm-hmm. fun. Yep. And that was Disappeared. it. Disappeared. That Gone. was it, right? And yep. so th- there, was a, there was a chance that not only does, does the Lottery Corporation uh, ask or demand of Jumbo uh, better returns for, for Lottery Corp, in other words, lower margins for Jumbo, it actually yep. might at some point say, yeah, this online lottery thing, it's actually really big now and we don't want to share it anymore. We're going to do it all ourselves. And Jumbo's yep. business will go, will disappear overnight for that, that uh, part of their business yeah so so it's worth it's worth just making that point that uh, and again I, I own the shares I, I don't think it's a significantly large chance but it's a very real chance and the consequences would be I'll say catastrophic for the share price they're not catastrophic for the business not existential but you know this is a, it's a very very different looking jumbo at, at a much lower valuation moving forward because that profit it's making now from, from reselling lottery corporations tickets would literally just go away tomorrow so yep. I just wanted to. It's an excellent point. That. I'm so glad you raised it. I mean, it is seven years away, but yeah. that'll go by quicker than you than you think. Yeah. And also, too, um, the market will start to discount that 
or not discount the shares, increase the risk of that until that deal is signed. So that's the other thing is you can't wait for seven years and say, at that point, I'm going to sell if it doesn't get, doesn't get re-signed because yep. the, the, the shares will crash that day. Uh, but even, I, you know, and trying to predict market movements is really hard, right? But let's go out five years. Mm. The market starts to think, oh, okay, now if I'm pricing this thing, I'm, you know, it just kind of cash flows. Uh, the further out it is, the, the less, less value it, it, it creates or, or infers. Um, if, we're, if we're two and a half, 18 months out from the contract being re-signed, it has no news yet. We don't know what's going to happen now and who knows what's going to happen. The market will start to think, okay, that's now a, you know, it, it's, it's a near-term risk. And if the market is so convinced that shares may well fall and maybe stay low uh, for, a, for a period of time before that expiry, because it might expire. And yes. until or unless there's a new contract signed. So uh, you can't just wait seven years either. It'll be some point before that. People start to think, but what if? And that'll weigh on the share price. And that's, oh, that's going to be life of earning jumbo right now. By the way, but you might say, well, then I won't buy them. The shares could double or triple between now and then. And they might fall 15% or 20% as a result, right? So don't, we're not saying buy them. We're not saying don't buy them. I'm not certain I'm saying because there's a possible downside at some point. We've all seen, you know, Amazon shares are off 2% overnight, right? 2.3% I think they were, which mm. which sucks if you bought them yesterday. If you bought them <laughs> 10 years ago, you yeah. kind of don't even really notice it. So, yeah. and again, Jumbo's not Amazon either, but just, just be mindful of those moving parts if you are considering an investment. As, as Ram says, don't buy it just because we talked about it, but uh, hopefully you want to kind of, we're not, trying, we're not trying to be balanced because we both own the shares, so we like them. We're not, we're not trying to say it's an even bet here; it's a 50-50 outcome. But we do want to present the whole the whole story. I just oh gosh, we are we are so far off our agenda. But yeah, let, we let, really are. Let me riff on just. <laughs> I did want to I want to underscore a couple of points you made there, and I love it because uh, this is this is Mungo talks a lot about this, which is that you've got to understand mm. the bear cases, the bear case better than the bears, right? Yeah. And I and I love that when we're talking about a company that we both own that your first place you go to is to talk about what can go wrong. Yeah. And I know you're doing that just to, for the sake of balance, but I also know as an investor, you do that. And and, mm-hmm. and it's something that I think is, we we are so, we want to believe, right? On on a good story. Yes. And, yes. and I think it's a very, it's always the sign of a very capable investor when you, that you, you know, tell us what stock you like. Oh, I really like this because of that. And you go, what can go wrong? If they go, I don't know, nothing. What do you mean? I just <laughs> told you everything. Right. Perfect. That, that is like run a mile, right? Exactly. The, the true investor goes, well, actually, here's all the things that, that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And 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 why I might be comfortable with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you need to have that comfort. Otherwise, why would you invest? But you certainly need to be aware of it and you need to take it very seriously, um, which I which I, I think is, is super important. The other point I'll make, and I, I think I made this a few weeks ago, is the idea that, Without some of those uncertainties, you don't get the bargain. So you you kind of need something that is there that is a little bit hairy, as I I called it in a recent article. You know, you Mm -hmm. need some hairs on the business because the business that is just perfect is priced for perfection and and by definition doesn't have it. So you, it's this really weird thing where you kind of want this really great (laughs) business. But you want a couple yeah. of things that aren't so great about it, mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. are perceived by the market. Things that worry the market. So great, yeah. Because because that is such a wonderful setup. Because it's sort of like, you know, it's like a Zempic and and Resmed mm. and CSL. You know, it's like, mm. uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, sleep apnea and and uh, kidney disease is cured apparently according to the share market, yeah. and like, huh? But but you know, 
shut up, don't complain, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's totally a thing. You should, everyone who's holding shares, you should yeah. sell because that's yeah. totally a thing. And then I'll buy them off you because you're idiots. And and that is, that is, I yeah. I, I, I guess it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's two ideas you've got to hold in your brain simultaneously that I like this mm-hmm. and that this isn't, even though there's this aspect that isn't so great and might have some negative consequences because at least that way I get I get the bargain. And and, the, and then finally, finally, sorry. The final point is I would make is that that's not to say you should be careful with some of these flippant statements. I don't know. Maybe kidney disease is solved. Or if it's not solved through Azempic and GLP-1 compounds, it's going to be solved next year through some AGI breakthrough or something. I don't know. Mm. But that is that is why that margin of safety concept is so important as well. So you just sort of like, I think I would do that with, in fact, I do with, with Jumbo and any of the stocks. I was like, well, you know, I'm, I feel as though I've got a positive view on it for good reasons, but I certainly want to make sure there's some slack in my expectations such that if it doesn't execute to, to, to plan, that I, I have not priced that as a necessity. In other words, I've allowed for the iner- inevitable, uh, what does Munger call it? The vicissitudes of business, or, you know, where, where things will likely not pan out exactly as the way you expect, but that's okay, because I've, I've got a bit of a margin of safety in the price. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's talk about CSL and ResMed, mate, because you, you kind of, you've done a nice job of covering what's going on there. I just want to unpick a little bit further because I think there's a real opportunity with both these companies right now. Uh, I don't own either of them for, for full disclosure. They are recommendations I've made before and they're both current recommendations. There's a couple of free stocks. Uh, not that I'm saying anyone should listen to it, buy them based on our talk about it now, but they are the companies we've recommended to our members. And when you um, do recommend them, there's this huge risk section oh, as well, yeah. so which is always right? worth pointing out, right? Yeah. So... ResMed has fall, ResMed has fallen by one third since the third of August. So in what's that? Two and a half months, lost a third. CSL shares are down by twenty three percent since the thirteenth of June. So four months. And so I, I want to make just random couple of thoughts, but they're kind of they're connected. So Ozempic, uh, you've mentioned as we talked about it, mate. For those who aren't following the story. There's a new wonder drug apparently taken by Hollywood celebrities and is all over TikTok. So make of that what you will. And if you uh, <laughs> think I'm being skeptical of my comment, you're absolutely right. Um, which is, was a drug as always? I think it was for diabetes from memory, something else. Anyway, uh, apparently taking it helps you lose weight, right? So so that's that's apparently, so Hollywood celebrities taking it, losing weight. It now, actually suppresses a whole range of impulse control. As is well. that right? Yeah, so there it's more go. like it just, you're, you're, you're less... As I understand it, you're okay. less uh, likely to to uh, fall to temptation. On a lot. So it's actually good go. for like you know other addictions and yeah, stuff right. as well. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. so if I have a, if I have a, a bottle of wine and a, a, a throw of a zippic down my neck, I won't do anything stupid while I'm drunk. Is that the, is yeah? That well, yeah, I guess so. But it also there's you know it does make me think is oh god there'd be doctors out there screaming at the podcast machine right now for a good Sorry, reason, is- probably. But, but, you know, I don't know if I want to take something which is like deadens any, like yeah. there's something about being human where I don't, I don't mind being a little bit flawed and, <laughs> and subject to the odd, the odd sort of impulse. Our wives may disagree. Um, yes. <laughs> so anyway, this, this, this is this new one. Now, when I say wonder drug, I, you know, it, it's really, 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 really early in this thing. And, as you said, mate, and it's always worth keeping... This is why investing is hard, right? Because you've got to keep both ideas in your mind. Firstly, 
odds are, based on every other weight loss drug ever, this one may not be the, the panacea. This may not be the cure-all. On the other hand, someone might have said that about Lipitor, the cholesterol breakthrough drug that genuinely became a massive blockbuster drug for, I think it was Pfizer. Um, almost everyone was on Lipitor at some point for cholesterol, right? So you kind of keep those two ideas in your head at the same time. There's a really wide range of outcomes for this thing. Now, then you say, all right, take Resmed. Resmed is down a third in the last couple of months. Uh, the, for, for a third of Resmed's business, to effectively dry up. Now, it's not necessarily a third of sales because there's margins in, in between, but, you know, mm. work with me here. Um, it, it would have to, Zempic would have to A, work, B, be prescribed widely, C, be affordable, D, be taken actually in the uh, in the regime that's that's you know, intended to be. E, I think we're up to E, people would have to lose a lot of weight and enough weight that the obstructive sleep apnea that tends to be, and sleep apnea is by the way, when you kind of, you stop breathing during the night, uh, that goes away because you lose enough weight. So we're up to E already, right? Those, those ifs that have to be stacked together. And then you say the market has shot first and asked questions later by lopping a third off the share price on the off chance that maybe possibly those things happen. And if you're framing a market for that, if you would just, and this is, you mentioned small caps format and risks and the fact that some things do go wrong with Jumbo and you have to have some things that could go wrong. Mm. And Resmed might be one of those. Resmed may never again trade at the price it was two months ago. It's really unlikely, but it's possible. For that to have all come to pass, uh, statistically, probabilistically, that's not a likely outcome. So if that's true and you get offered Resmed at a third off, now the, the past price might've been too high. So again, we don't want to anchor to that as you mentioned before, Ram. Um, you know, the, what would have to go wrong for Resmed or right with Ozempic or one of these other drugs would be remarkable. Now, it's possible, right? It's really possible. Maybe we are on the verge of, like with ChatGPT and AI, maybe we're on the verge of a, an amazing set of medical breakthroughs where these therapeutic treatment companies, so think about Resmeds with its uh, sleep apnea devices, basically the, the CPAP machines. Think about CSL with a whole lot of, you know, um, drugs and treatments and vaccines. Maybe, maybe it'd be great on, on the behalf of humanity. Wouldn't it be great if all these therapeutic companies went out of business because their, their solutions, their treatments weren't needed? Of course it would. Is it really, really likely? I don't know. I would suspect, in fact, I will go on a limb and say, I think it's unlikely um, because it would, it would require a, a, a right angle turn for medical science. And again, is it possible? Yeah. Do I hope it's happening? Yeah. Will it happen one day? I don't know. Maybe there's one wonder pill that solves everything for everybody. That'd be great. Um, but you know that that idea of let's lop a third off the price of of Resmed CSL by the way even 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 less impacted this kidney disease that may or may not be helped with Zempic is a tiny portion of CSL's business and yet yeah, the shares down twenty three percent so not 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 the only reason they're down but it is what it is yeah so I think when you see the market react to that now let's let's go back to Ram's point about probabilities if I bought a basket of companies I'm going to make some numbers if I bought ten companies that had these sort of circumstances, I am very sure I would do very nicely. Not every company, because some of them may end up being a jumbo, may lose its contract, or Resmed might put out a business buy as Epic, or whatever else. But the chance that it happens to all of the companies that suffer these one-off big falls because the market freaks out, let's go back to buffer makers we're supposed to, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Investors are fearful of Ozempic right now. They are scared about ResMed's future and CSL's future. If I'm going to try and build a portfolio over time, 
I want those sort of opportunities because sometimes they're going to be right. By the way, Buffett made a fortune buying American Express shares when they got done by a scandal um, where it was a, basically a fraud. Um, someone had put something in a tank that wasn't supposed to be there and they claimed it was, a, it was salad oil, but I can't remember the story um, in oh, detail. Yeah, yeah. It was called the salad oil scandal. Anyway, Amex bounced back because of course it did. You know, these, these things are never, or well, so never, these things are rarely significant permanent value destruction issues. So I like to say, sell the current price, I like resume at the current price. Again, don't buy them just because I said so. Go and do your work um, and be diversified. I'm not saying just buy these two companies, as we always say. So, you know, caveat, caveat. But um, these, are, these are businesses that the market seems to have forgotten were some of the biggest and best companies in the last couple of decades. Yes. And has it really stopped all of a sudden? Is, is, is the music really stopped? Is the, is the show really over? Maybe, but probably not very likely. One last thing, mate, very quickly. CSL was uh, attacked or given some grief by shareholders at their recent AGM because the share price was down. <laughs> and the CSL boss said what the CSL boss should have said, which is, yeah. What do you want, what do you want right. me to do about it? Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. here to cheerlead the share price. I'm here to run the, run the business. And I just yeah. thought, again, I don't own shares, but that's exactly what you want a CEO to say is like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't set the price. I just run the company. It'd be different if they were attacking the business and him because yes, of yes. A material and fundamental <laughs> degradation in business quality and, and outlook. That's different. That You Qu- are in Qantas control cough. of that. But yeah. I'm like, yeah. you know, and yeah. I'm not I'm not sticking up for the guy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think any time, as, as you know, we do a lot of CEO interviews with mm. Strawman. I, I never ask them. Well, if I do ask about the share price, it's like, what do you think the market misunderstands about mm-hmm. it? But it's not like, why is it down or why is it yes. up? Or it's like, and, what are you, and what are you doing to fix it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll go the other way. I'll invert it. Any CEO who seems um, unnaturally focused on the share price, I'm actually, that's a red flag for me. It's like, dude, you don't recognize, you don't understand that you don't control it, right? Mm -hmm. Like just Mm -hmm. you, you do you (laughs) and the market will do the market. And all you need is, it's the whole voting versus weighing machine kind of analogy is like, if you you do a good job, the market will recognize it eventually. And that's all you need to do. If your whole strategy is just to jawbone the share price up, Mm -hmm. that never, ever, ever, without exception over any material timeframe works out well. And if, if, if you've got a, a CEO who's constantly talking about the share price, run a mile, I would say. As a, it's a heuristic, you know, maybe it's not always true, but I, I, I think you'd probably agree with that statement. 100%, a million percent. I don't, I don't want anyone. And, you know, some people say, well, sometimes they focus on the share price, they want to get up because they want to raise some capital or something else. Now, that's, that's possible. But also, by the way, if that's your strategy, if your strategy is, geez, the CEO better do a good sell job of pumping the share price because that's how that's how we're going to raise money, you better realize that is an enormous risk with red flashing lights. Doesn't mean it can't yeah. be done; it can be done. Yeah. But just just be really careful about you know is it is it important for shareholders that they get the best possible price? Of course it is. If if that's the if the strategy is let me go out there and, and, and shill the company as hard as I can and see if I can get a couple more cents on the share price so I can raise some capital a little more cheaply. That's you are you are taking on a very large risk with very unknown outcomes, and just be very very careful. No, again, not just, it's not dodgy. It's just it's just like that's you know, it's a, they're, they're yeah. focused on the wrong thing, and it, yes. it's reveal. It's extraordinarily revealing that Correct. that that is what they're focused on because you don't you they, they fundamentally misunderstand their role and influence. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue. 
I agree. Um, Mate, can we go to? Oh, can uh, I? Sorry, oh, you sorry, can't. Yeah. You, so you can't mention CSL and, and ResMed. And I've, I've got to throw very quickly two cents yeah, in here, and I'm going to do a little bit of a victory lap because you can look dumb for a long time. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a master at looking dumb. <laughs> so I want to. I want to. Um, make a point here because again we can talk about and we can dismiss sort of short-term movements i just did it with drop street before yep. you know down 30 percent in -hmm. a few months and like how it's just the market doing its thing well it becomes a harder thing to do i just said the weighing machine versus the voting machine it's a harder thing to do over longer time frames yeah now csl actually was 137 dollars at the start of 2020 and now it's 236 yeah so that's actually a good three and a yeah, half years. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. what's going on there? Mm. And I, I, I wrote about this on Strawman recently. Is is that I, this to me is a really wonderful example of a great business, but not a great price. Mm. What happened at the start of 2020 was CSL a bad business? No, it was a great business. It's still a great business. It'll be a great business in five years' time. I've got every confidence in, in, in that. Mm. Um, uh, in fact, even though COVID came along and had a bit of an impact for them in terms of blood collections and there was some mm. logistics, it was all the nuance and the minutiae of, of sort of like those that follow the company, well, we'll notice there were a few issues. But between it, like the most recent um, financial year at that point in time, they were doing about six bucks per share. And then- but 2020, 2021, and 2022, the per share earnings grew, grew well, actually. Yep. Yep. So, so what, what's gone on here? Well, I'll tell you what's gone on is that at the start of 2020, you were buying CSL at a P of 43. Hmm. Right? And, 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 and at the time, I think you and I had discussed it at the time. It was just like, well, what's wrong with this picture? Nothing from a business quality perspective. And it's not as though... Too many people, I think, were quick to go, yeah, but it's very high quality. I was like, well, yeah, it is. But even the best quality business isn't worth an infinite amount. And we had three things that have changed in in the intervening three and a half years. We We had the narrative of lower for longer and interest rates change radically. So, so actually, since then, we've seen US 10 year yields go from 1% to 4.6%. You know, like that's, that's a big change. Um, we had uh, very strong growth expectations, but there was just like, well, it grew very well, it just didn't grow as strong as everyone <laughs> had expected. Yeah. And this is the point that we made before. It's sort of like when the share price was breaking through $300 back then, and everyone was pointing about the higher quality and how interest rates are going to stay longer. And, you know, that, that everyone can buy a share price that's rallying because you feel good about it. And FOMO kicks in and all these other kinds of things. I think mm. the prudent investor was like, well, I love the company, but God damn, you know, 43, <laughs> Jesus. You know, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I think what's different now is that when you look at, oh, I should probably actually look at it before I, I pine <laughs> on it, but let's, you've now got a PE of 32, just looking yeah. at Comsec, which uses a blended number of historical and forecast. I would. I agree with you, mate. I think. I think things are getting really interesting here. My hesitation, just to push back a little bit, would be. I think some of the commentary I've seen around CSL is the thinking goes like this: Azempic is overblown. It's now a bargain, mm-hmm. and I think that's true. You you actually said this in passing when you were talking. Was that if you felt the price before? Yes. Was was good. Correct. I posit that I think the price in a world of higher for longer now, not lower for longer, but higher for longer interest rates, 
a great company. I think it'll continue to grow at probably around the, you know, the 10% mark on earnings per share for the foreseeable future. It's incredible for a company that's worth like, what, $115 billion? But 32 mm. isn't isn't cheap. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I would say that what CSL and ResMed are interesting now because they are they are the classic Buffett great companies at fair prices. Now he he kind of says yes. it's better to have a great company at a fair price than a fair company at a great price. And I think mm-hmm. that's I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But I just I guess my what I'm trying to say is I feel as though these are interesting opportunities not in reference to where the share price was before the shenanigans started. I just think it's because they're high quality and they're probably at around a fair price. I don't think they're at a bargain price, even though the share price can make you feel that that's the case. And that's couched. It's just couched in, in its probably an interest rate and a, a, a lens there, which is doing macro and you know talking out of two mm-hmm. sides of my mouth here. But I just I just wanted to put that out there. It's just like we we all love to anchor, and I think too, even the even the so called experts are anchoring on past prices, making the assumption that before this started things were, were were good value, and now they're great value. And I guess I would say they were probably a little bit overpriced, and mm-hmm. now they're more fairly priced. I think that's right. I think you you. A price fall is not good, and a price increase is not bad either. Either oh, necessarily, yeah. right? It's it's just a question of based yep. on based on the current price and the future earnings, is this company attractive? Yep. It, it, it moving, speaking of two sides of us as mouths. I think it, I, I certainly pay attention to big share price movements because it yep. tells you the market's thinking something different than it used to, yep. and that can be a chance to go and look for opportunities where. The market may, you know, if to your point, if it was a good price before, it's a great price now. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you see a big share price fall, it's like, wow, okay, well, I better check that. Similarly, if you see a share price rise, normally people say, well, it's gone up already. I missed the boat. Maybe. But maybe the market's also telling you something's actually going on that is worth paying attention to, like the future is really bright or it delivered a really great profit or for whatever reason, the market is choosing to revalue this business and again don't don't buy or sell just because the share price has moved it just is a, it's it's a it's a worthwhile and with 2000 companies you've got to find a way to start finding some opportunities and one of them is just to say hey the big movers something might be going on it's worth a look yeah gosh we could talk about that all day we really could mate, we let's, almost have <laughs> well, I, want, I want to go from from small cap to to large cap mate for the last 10 minutes or so of our, of our chat two really big bits of news and i think I think they're worthwhile talking about for a couple of different reasons. Let's start with BHP and Whitehaven. BHP is selling its coal mines in Queensland to Whitehaven for $6.4 billion, if you don't mind. Now, often if you see someone spending $6.4 billion, um, the, the purchaser is not always assumed to be getting a good deal. In this case, Whitehaven coal shares jumped, I think it was 11.8% on the news. Now, I think this is fascinating for a couple of reasons, mate, and I, and I want to... I want to say we don't know anything internally that we haven't hasn't already been discussed by the market, but I wanted to posit a couple of thoughts because I, I, think, I, think, it's, I think it's very fair to say that if you can buy a, an asset and your share price jumps 12%, the market is assuming, or at least imputing, that you are getting a bargain. Because if you can give over $6.4 million, billion, sorry, including, by the way, a lot of borrowing, so there's interest costs that come with that, and yet your shares are worth 12% more than they were the day before, that tells me the market's like, oh my God, you guys got to steal. You know, if, if you're paying $6.4 billion for $6.4 billion worth of value, the share price shouldn't move. 
Because mm-hmm. you've swapped the debt for an asset. And, you know, think about balance sheet accounting, right? Assets go up by 6.4, liabilities go up by 6.4. Okay, everything's the same as it was before. If you can justify, and by the way, when a lot of companies make acquisitions, the acquirer's share price falls because the market goes, oh my God, you did what? This is, this, is, this is risky and it's scary and you overpaid. This seems the exact reverse. Now, I want to also then, this is, um, let's get into the single point, uh, reference the fact that BHP not long ago sold its, well, they call it a demerger, they sold their oil assets to Woodside. Uh, Woodside, I think BHP shells. Like there's there's a theme there, Woodside, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I wanted to draw out here because if you if you if you see them selling two asset classes that are, I'll, I'll say, dirty assets uh, in in a lot of people's minds. I, I don't necessarily want to um, impute that that view from myself. I have views, but let's keep it about the market for now. So you see something going on, and then. BHP selling this Whitehaven shares go up in theory because Whitehaven shares feel like they're getting a great deal. Now, it's possible, I guess, for both parties to have a great deal, but it's not very likely. It strikes me, mate, that BHP is so desperate to remake its corporate image that it may well have given Whitehaven a free kick to a pretty significant extent uh, in doing this deal because they just wanted to get rid of those coal assets and they were prepared to say, well, let's just make it go away. Uh, if you're a not a forced seller, but if you're a motivated seller, uh, that's the sort of seller you want to buy from. If you're a buyer, isn't it? Oh hell yeah! I mean, I haven't done the work, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. You weren't putting uh, in a bid. No, I wasn't putting in a bid. <laughs> um, Strawman to uh, acquire BHP's coal assets—that'd be a hell of a story. It was, it was either that or a two-bedroom uh, townhouse in Marrickville. So I thought, mm, <laughs> you know, oh well. Let's not go there. Yeah, clearly, I mean, trade happens because both parties agree, right? Yep. No one's no one's got a gun to yep. their head Absolutely. here, right? So BHP's gone, yes, and and <laughs> says Whitehaven. So they're both happy mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I would, and I've got to be careful here because, I, again, I don't, I don't know the nuance of the details of the quality of the assets and the potential cash flows that can be generated from them. But if, and it's a big if, BHP mm. has sold this purely for ESG mm. virtue signaling reasons yep. and have been prepared to take a big haircut on the true value of that, I think, I think the board and management need to be taken to task over that. Mm. I think unless you the shareholders can, actually wanted it, though, and this is this is the other part where this gets really messy because the board and management are there to serve the shareholders. If the shareholders are like guys, you have got to get out of this shit because we don't excuse my language. We don't we don't want this weighing on the share price. We think we're going to have a better time of things if we don't have any of those assets that people don't like. Yeah, but I, I also think it's always a bad sign when you have a board and management that listen to investors. And I, <laughs> I, I, be careful with that because yeah. I, I think what you, the investors have a choice. They can pull out their smartphone at any point in time and hit sell. Gone, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. So so I feel as though management and board, where what they need to do is just be consistent in their message. Here's the assets mm. we own. Here's the strategy. Here's the opportunity we're chasing. Here's the strategy that we're going to go and do that. We'll just be clear and consistent on that. Change your mind when circumstances dictate, but but do it with reason, rationality, and always with the North Star of any corporate uh, entity in the capitalist system that we operate under, which is we're here to maximize value for you. Now, if you don't like the way that we're going to maximize value, then that's that's fine. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. But and, and and even if you say, well, okay, l- listen, we we feel as though um, we can do a lot to maximize shareholder value 
and be a force for good in the world, if you want to frame it in that way, then that's mm. even that's that's great as well. But don't don't sell don't sell yourself short in in a in a um, ideological um, push to do that mm. too quickly. Mm. You can divest. Or you can, yeah. or, or at, a, at a time that is more opportune, you can let those assets run down, and and you can get out of things by just being more focused on how you reinvest cash flows within the company. It's like just stop reinvesting in that. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. it'll go away, right? Yeah. Or Whitehaven Coal. You, you want to be the smarter person in the transaction, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And there might come a point where it's like, oh, we'll take it. We're desperate for it. We've got a lot of free money. It's just that stage of the cycle. Hey, we'll take it off your hands. Like, great, this is brilliant. It furthers our agenda, and we're mm-hmm. getting a great deal for shareholders. So it's not that. And look, I've I've got very strong views um, on on all of this kind of stuff too. I, I I think it is to a large extent it'll be with us for a while. These these fossil industries, but you know, it is a sunset industry at the same time. I, I would I would posit, and and it's not a terrible idea that you know you. I wouldn't be reinvesting in it. Put it that way. But I do think even with that view, I wouldn't be in a race to sell this off at, at, a, at a price that, that does me mm. a great disservice. If, again, come back to my original point, if that's indeed what's happened. And why haven't coal shells might be sadly mistaken, right? Paying uh, share price jumping 11% might be hubris yes. and that might be entirely wrong. Yes. I, I just, I, I, agree, I, I totally agree with you actually, mate. I, I've, I've ranted long and hard about ethical investing before, but I, I do think... <sighs> It, it it's hard if this if if Whitehaven is really getting such a great deal, if that's true, then I don't know what value I can quickly put Whitehaven's share price. Uh, so, oh, the, the market cap. If the business is now worth six point three billion dollars, effectively it doubles Whitehaven's business. Mm-hmm. And so what the what the shareholders are saying is this purchase adds six hundred odd million dollars to the Whitehaven market cap now. That Which presumably suggest- doubles their earnings, all else being equal, I guess. Right. Well, with a whole lot of stuff going on, but yes, they're taking yep. out some debt to do it and all that kind of stuff. But that, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the question is, if it's worth so much more to Whitehaven, how is it not worth that much more less to BHP? Now, BHP is a much bigger business, so proportionally in, in share price, you know, per per share and even on a market cap basis, uh, BHP is two hundred thirty two billion dollars. So it's not a material transaction for BHP in the same way, but it does feel like there is a a very specific thing going on here, and I, I do. I, I share your I share your sentiment. Um, probably a little less stridently, in the sense that I think there's, you know, we say on one hand, don't listen to shells. On the other hand, we say, well, shells. We would say, don't worry about the share price, for example. You know, we we have views as shareholders. I. I, I just think I think it's interesting that BHP is getting out of this stuff. I do think. I've used before the uh, the example of, of one of my favourite comedy skits ever, which is The Front Fell Off by Clark and Door, mm. uh, where, where John Clark said, no, it's been towed outside the environment. You know, the, it must be in an environment. No, no, it's outside the environment. It's not in the environment anymore, <laughs> uh, which is this ship that was leaking oil. There is some element of that with BHP, right? So BHP is now somehow cleaner, in quotes. Uh, Whitehead, which is already a coal company, it's like, well, it's got nothing to lose. If you hate me already, well, you might as well hate me and I'll, I'll buy these BHP coal assets and who cares? Uh, you know what, what's been achieved nothing that we've shuffled deck chairs on the Titanic uh, there's one new cleaner deck chair over here the other one's still as dirty as it ever was but the same amount of coal is being produced in fact Whitehaven's predicting there'll be more coal produced next year from these mines than in the last sorry in the next three years than in the last three years mm. uh, and, and so you kind of this is one of those you mentioned virtue signaling before mate I can't quite get away from that idea because nothing's 
been achieved. Environmentally, not a single thing has happened. In fact, if anything, BHP seems more concerned about its corporate reputation than Whitehaven is. So what have you done? You've sold an asset from someone who, yes, they sold coal. Maybe you can't make it ever good, but BHP kind of cared about how it was perceived. Whitehaven's like, yep, we're coal and we're dirty and we don't give a stuff. Mm-hmm. So who, who do you want to own those coal mines? You know, it's, it's, a, it's just, a, I thought it was a really interesting kind of time to be thinking about that. It is interesting too, mate, the pressure being put on boards. I think that's, that's my last thought is just the fact that BHP felt like they had to do this or should do this probably tells you a lot about what's going on there as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, gosh, there's so much to say there, but I know we're running out of time. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I just think it's all good and well to do that kind of stuff as long as you're consistent and clear and you don't shoot yourself, your foot in the pro- in, in, shoot yourself in the foot in the process. Nicely put. Mate, speaking of uh, more things to say, will you come back on Sunday? You know I will. I will look forward to our conversation. In the meantime, until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.